need to do every day and all the time, looking to the Son. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And if we're going to walk through this life and experience what God has for us, instead of being overcome, we are overcomers, we have to keep our eyes on him. Amen? Amen. God is so good. Thank you, Lord. Well, if you take a couple of minutes and, and greet the folks around you, and you can be seated. I just want to mention the video that we saw in the beginning of Mike and Mitzi. Um, <clears throat> they had come, and uh, Mike was experiencing some real health challenges. And uh, there's been a miracle that has occurred, and that is that um, Mitzi was told by the doctor she needed to prepare for Mike's funeral. And uh, people were praying and standing and believing God for a miracle, and Mike has pulled out of it. He is getting better all the time, and God is faithful. God is faithful. God is so good. And, you know, that's, that's where it's important that we are connected because um, for any one of us to try and go through something like that isolated, it's just what the enemy wants. The enemy wants to isolate us and cause us to... Uh, have to rely just on ourselves. And how many of you know that's pretty overwhelming when you have to go through something like that? But when you've got people that come alongside you and uh, pick up your situations and present them to God and stand with you and for you in prayer, uh, it makes a whole lot of difference. And that's why it's so important that we, we continue to make ourselves available to God but also to one another. Amen? Well, this morning we're continuing on um, this series that started last week about seeing truly, when we see things as they really are, not as we think they are or as they appear, because appearance isn't always accurate. Um, I, I'm going to ask you to finish this saying. I, I'm sure you all know it. You can't judge a book by its cover. Right. And, and there's a truth to that, but do we... Do we as human beings apply that to our lives or ignore it? Yeah, we, we <laughs> Pat, we definitely do ignore it a lot. Um, we tend to prejudge people. A lot of things that are going on right now is because people feel that they have been prejudged or prejudice has been, been pushed against them. And, and, and it's true. We, we tend to judge things before we know what really is there. And that's not anything God wants us to do. It's, it's really robbing, robbing us from what God has for us and uh, robbing other people of what God has for them. You know, every human being is priceless in the eyes of, of God. Every human being. Now, in, in this area of, of central New York, we've got a number of prisons. Do you know that every one of those prisoners is precious to God? It's not about what we do. 
or what we've done. It's about the fact that God loves human beings. And God has a plan for every human being, for good and not for evil, with a future and a hope. But not every human being is going to experience that because not everyone's going to choose to allow God to have his way. And uh, in, in the days that we're living in, it's so hard to be sure of what's true. We hear all sorts of voices, all sorts of experts, all sorts of perspectives. And, and how do we know? How do we know what's true? And how, how do we know that the, the ones that are telling us are telling the truth? And maybe they think they are, but they may not be. It's pretty unsettling. It's uncertain. But there's one who is always telling the truth and always knows the truth, and that's God. And uh, he's the only one that sees everything clearly, unobstructed, accurately, and He's the only one that can help us see things clearly. And today we're, we're going to uh, go over a couple of scriptures that we started with last week. But I want to remind you that the Bible tells us, um, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet receives a prophet reward. And it also says, he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man receives a righteous man's reward. Now, that, that's... When you think about that, you know, we're not going around looking for prophets all the time. They're out there, and, and God uses them to fulfill a purpose in his kingdom and in this world. Uh, but it's not like the Old Testament prophets. We're not supposed to be led by prophets. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit. Prophecy is a confirmation. Um, but who are the righteous? Anybody know? All of, all of the people that have received Jesus as Lord, the Bible says that God has given us his righteousness for our righteousness, which was as filthy rags. It really it didn't amount to anything. But when you receive a righteous person as a righteous person, you receive the benefit that God intended to bring through that person. Now, if you look around today, you may know some of the people that are, are here. You may not know a number of the people that are here. But I want you to know that those that you look at and you don't really know, you aren't gaining the benefit that God intended. When you begin to know the people around you, God created them to be a blessing, to be a gift to him and to you and to others. And when we don't know them, we may step back we may pull back we may isolate because we look at them and we judge a book by its cover and maybe we determine that's that's not a person i really need to know but the bible tells us in the body of christ every member is important every member is vital and as a matter of fact the members that we would initially look at and say they're not as important as that one the Bible tells us we're deceived because they're, they're more important than we give credit for. And so that's why in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 20, in the Amplified uh, Classic Translation, um, we looked at this last week, and this is a foundational scripture. You've seen many things, but you don't observe or apprehend their true meaning. We do this all the time. We look 
we make a judgment, but we aren't truly seeing what actually is occurring. And that's something that we're told. We're to walk by faith and not by But we tend to walk by sight. We, we make snap judgments and, and uh, initial perceptions that aren't based on anything but our opinion. And how many of you know that your opinion <laughs> is just that? Yeah, I better not go too much farther than that. Uh, we, we elevate our opinions. And we've watched over this, the course of, you know, the last year and a half, two years, we've watched people's opinions become so elevated and animated and become aggressive about that it's brought all sorts of division and damage to people. And so we have our opinions, but our opinions don't really matter to anybody but us unless they're truth. And that's where we've got to be very careful that we realize we see many things, but we don't observe or apprehend their true meaning. You know, we can, we can look at all sorts of people and make snap judgments. Could be right. Probably is going to be more wrong than right. And how do we, how do we get to know about that person? Yeah, you've got to take time. There's an investment. There, there, there is a very uncomfortable aspect to that because we're not sure and we have to connect with somebody that we begin to reveal ourselves to and allow them to reveal themselves to us and we can become vulnerable and it can be uncomfortable But I'm telling you, it's got to happen if we're going to. You know, the Bible tells us we're to have this relationship with God that is intimate. But it's not just with God. It's with one another. And that's, that's so, you know, someone said the intimacy is about into me see. We have to be able to see into people. And the only way that happens is we open up our lives to others. And that's... that's It's uncomfortable, it's scary, it can cause us to be anxious because we've all experienced at the hands of other people where we've shared something that was vital to us or personal to us or important to us and it got misrepresented or shared in a way that we didn't want and, and it hurt us. And so we, we tend to want to pull back and pull in, but we need to have help if we're going to see truly and the only help that we can have that will really show us is is god because in eyes in first samuel chapter 16 verse 7 we looked at this last week also it says this for the lord does not see as man sees for a man looks on the outward appearance but the lord looks at the what heart now the bible says no one knows the heart of man except for god and so we make snap judgments we look we see what's happening We make a determination. Our opinion is this is why they're doing that. And it, it may not be right because we look on the exterior. We don't know what motivated somebody, you know, good or bad. Somebody can be doing some really good things for some very bad reasons. 
Did you guys realize that? And some people can be doing bad things, appearing bad things, for very good reasons. And uh, so the Lord looks at the heart, but man looks at what? The exterior, yeah, just what we can see because we, we don't know somebody's heart. But I have to tell you, that's really dangerous and it's really what the enemy has exploited to entrap us, to lead us the wrong direction, to tempt us. Does anybody remember what the Bible tells us about how the enemy presents himself? How does he come? As an angel of light. Yeah, the Bible tells us that he comes as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. That's not going to be up on your, your screens. But why does he do that? Because we're, we tend to look at things at face value. All right? But just as this says... The Lord doesn't see as man sees. The Lord looks, man looks on the outward. The Lord looks on the inward. And that's an Old Testament scripture, but it's applicable to us because it's affirmed in John chapter 7, verse 22 in the New Living Translation. It says, look below the surface so that you can judge correctly. And it doesn't mean judge in a condemning way. But we need to look and evaluate things. If we don't evaluate things, we're going to be in serious trouble. But we don't look to condemn. We don't look to find fault. But we have to look and see truthfully so that we can, we can adjust how God would have us adjust. But again, we've got challenges with that because we don't see the way God sees. And isn't it what, what the enemy used in the Garden of Eden to tempt and entrap Eve and Adam? When, when the enemy tempted Eve with the fruit... One of the characteristics of what it says in Genesis chapter 3 was she looked at the fruit and it was pleasing to the eye. It was good for food and pleasing to the eye. These things were part of what the enemy was exploiting to pull her away from God and pull her into sin. It's not unlike us. The enemy operates the same way all the time. He's going to present something that looks really good. What was the last thing, and don't... don't Nobody needs to confess or do anything like that. But what, remember the last thing that you thought was going to be really good and it turned out to be not as good as you expected and even a temptation. I'm telling you, this is the way the enemy operates and that's why we have to, we have to see truly what, what things are. And yet we don't have the ability innate in ourselves except we receive help from God. And so if we don't have that ability, but God does, we have to acknowledge our need of God to give us that true perspective, that, that being able to see truly. And uh, the Bible tells us in uh, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10, it says... The Lord searches all hearts and examines secret motives. You know, that's a really great thing to know. But I don't know if anybody here but me in that moment when, when I hear God 
searches secret motives. Sometimes I have motives that I'm not honest with myself about. It's true of all of us. You know, we, we, we want to do right things, and sometimes we do things, and, and our motivation isn't as pure as we would want everybody to think it was. Sometimes we're aware of it, sometimes we're not, but we need God's help to help us because he searches the hearts of everyone all the time. You know, if, if we're, we're standing here on Sunday morning and we're praising God and worshiping God, it can look really right. But, you know, sometimes people go to church and sometimes people give and sometimes people serve and sometimes people praise God so that they'll appear really good to other people. That's that secret motive. And sometimes we, we are reserved in certain ways and, and it looks like we're doing the proper thing and it's, it's great, but it's because we're afraid of what people will think. Those secret motives. It's not just about superficial things, but we tend to look on the surface of, of what's going on. And we need God's help to truly see in our lives what's going on, in other people's lives that we're involved with. Now, listen, he's not going to expose you to somebody else just for the sake of airing your dirty laundry or my dirty laundry. But if we're about to interact with somebody and connect with them and it's not what it appears, don't you think God is a good and loving father who wants the best for us, will give us an understanding without demeaning somebody else, but give us an understanding this is not what you need to do. But we have to be willing to listen to that still small voice, that guidance of Holy Spirit in our lives because there are times that Holy Spirit is trying to help us not get into something that's not going to go well. And I have to tell you, I have watched this happen in my life, watched it happen in so many other people's lives. And there were a number of indicators along the way. It wasn't like God sent, you know, a prophet, but God gave enough indication. There are little red flags, little indicators that, that should have caused someone to stop or me to stop going any farther. But because we tend to rely on ourselves and not God the way we should, we get down paths way beyond what we should have if we had listened to God. I don't know about any of you, but there are times I've had to backtrack out of paths that I've gone down, realizing that that wasn't the path God had. I'm, I'm fortunately getting better at this but it's taken time. And it has to be something that we really, really want. I've said this before, but I, I, I'm going to say it again. We all need people in our lives to speak into our lives, to see into our lives and the blind spots that we don't want to see or aren't aware of. And if you do not have somebody that can say no to you and you'll listen... 
You're a very dangerous person to yourself and other people. Every one of us needs people that we have relationship with, that we know love God and love us and are not just there to pick on us or criticize us or be critical of us or find fault with us, but what they really want is the best for us. And when they speak something into our lives that we, our initial reaction is, what? You know, when somebody tells us something we don't want to hear or we don't believe is true, our first reaction is to push back. But recognize when somebody who is in your life because God's brought them and they love God and they love you and they're saying something that is contrary to what you perceive to be true, what you see or I see to be what we think it is, and they're saying, "That's um, you need to check this out. If we don't heed that, then there isn't the humility in our life that we need. We aren't teachable. And unteachable people are dangerous people. Every one of us needs people in our lives that can speak truth into our lives that we don't necessarily see and don't necessarily agree with, but we'll stop, we'll really take time to pray and seek God. I'm not saying that somebody else runs our lives, but we should have input by other people. The Bible says there's wisdom and safety in a multitude of godly counsel. If we have no counsel, we are dangerous, and we're in danger. And I just, I, I just want to stop right here for a second because I, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And I just want to pray, Heavenly Father, I just pray right now that you would help us. Father, there's a reality in all of our lives that we believe that we see clearly. We believe that we understand in, in fullness. We tend to resist people speaking into our lives anything that we don't agree with or we don't see or we don't feel aligned with. But Father, help us. Help every one of us to be humble and teachable and willing not to invite everybody but father the people that that you would have speak into our lives encourage them to speak freely and honestly and truly and father help us to receive it and come to you and and be willing to hear from you because ultimately you're the one that will lead us and guide us into all truth by your spirit. And today, Father, help us to open our hearts and our minds and our lives to your word, to your principles, to your provision, so that, Father, we aren't as easily misled or taken advantage of or tripped up because in these days Father you said many would be deceived and we don't want to be part of that we, we want your light and life your truth your guidance 
in our lives. And we thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Lord searches the hearts and examines secret motives. He knows them. But that's a clear indication that we need his help to be able to see things clearly and truly. And Psalm 32, verse 8, I've shared this before at, at, in previous uh, messages, but it says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Now, this is what God is saying to us. And he's saying, listen, I'll instruct you, I'll teach you. But how many of you know if, if God instructs and we aren't willing to listen, it doesn't benefit us. If God's willing to guide us, but we don't follow, it doesn't benefit us. It doesn't say God's going to pull you down the path he has for you. He'll guide you. And that requires, it, it's, the necessity is, if somebody's going to guide us, we have to be willing to follow. If somebody's going to instruct us and we're going to learn, we have to be willing to receive that information and adjust to it. You know, one of the things that's very hard for all of us uh, is change. You know, most of us don't like change. And yet, it's a necessity in our lives. We have to always be changing because God has for us to go from glory to glory. And if we aren't going to adjust and change and be guided by God and be taught by God and instructed by God, we're going to stay at the same level. And too many times I see Christians, they, they are excited about God, they love God, and all of a sudden they get to a certain level and that's where they stay. Which means they're missing out on what else God has for them. See, God's not finished. God wants to continue to bring greater blessing to your life, greater truth to your life, which will bring greater freedom, greater confidence in your life so that you can walk in this world without being afraid of anything, but that's going to require an adjustment, us to, to be willing to be guided, to be taught and instructed, uh, to, to realign with things. Now, the New Living Translation in this says this, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. We all want the best pathway, but the only way to get on that path and stay on that path is to follow God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's that path, and we have to stay aligned with him. We, we have to keep our eyes on him, the author and the finisher of our faith, because if not, we can get off track real quickly and not even know it. We can make determinations and they're absolutely wrong and we're deceived and all of a sudden we're operating in deception. And we, we've learned this, I hope you remember it, where there's deception, there's what? Loss. Man, that's exactly what the enemy does. He wants to get us into a degree of deception so that he can cause us to lose the things that God has freely and fully given to us. And it's us... It's not so much him taking it away, it's us giving it away. We, we give away what God has to pursue something that is going to keep us from what God has and cause our lives not to be as full and abundant as God intended. And today we're going to look at a, a portion of Scripture um, about some people in the Old Testament, God's people, and how 
they should have learned to not figure things out and go by what appears to be true, but to rely on God. And, and it's in the book of Joshua. Now, Joshua was the one that took over from Moses. Moses was disobedient to God, and because of that, God said, you're not going to lead my people into the promised land. And Joshua was placed, when Moses passed, Joshua was placed in, in authority over Israel. And he had been Moses' right-hand man. Uh, and they came into the promised land. They walked through uh, the Jordan River. It, it was when they took the Ark of the Covenant and it, it went before them. The water parted. They all walked in. And God told them, I'm going to give you every place your foot treads on. And the first place, does anybody remember the first place they faced, the first city they faced? Yeah, yeah, Jericho. And it says about Jericho, here they come in, and they come into the promised land, and God says, I've given you the land, but before them is the biggest fortified city that they had ever seen. All right? They, it was a walled city, but these walls were not just, you know, walls like these. They had chariot races on these walls. They were so big. And, and the people were intimidating. And God gave them a plan. Because they're looking at this and they're thinking, how can we take this place? But God always has a plan, even when it looks impossible. Because with God, what's possible? All things. And all things are possible to those who believe. And if we believe, we align and obey. And so God told them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out each day for six days, and I want you all without talking. <laughs> without talking, I want you to walk around the city wall one time for six days. Now, why do you think God said don't talk? You know, there's a whole lot of reasons probably why. One of the things I think is he didn't want to hear people complaining, murmuring questioning why are we doing this this seems so dumb can you imagine about the fifth day nothing's happened we're doing this again this is stupid i want to go back to my tent so god said don't say anything you know that was that was <laughs> some of the good good advice my mom gave me if you can't say anything nice don't say anything and so they walked around one time each day for six days. And on the seventh day, God said, all right, on the seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times. And then I want you to shout. Well, what's that going to do? But it was God's plan. And as foolish as it seemed, as, as unbelievable as it seemed, but when they did what God told them, they shouted and the walls came down and they were able to go up and take the city. And then the second city, does anybody remember what the second city was that they, they had to go take? Yes, thanks, Pat, AI. And, and you know, they had had this great victory at this obstacle that seemed insurmountable. By what they saw, they couldn't have done this. But being willing to be guided by God, God knew what it would take. They had victory. 
And then this town just up the road, AI, they went up there. They took a few thousand troops. And it was a small town, not a big town. And all of a sudden, before they knew it, 36 people had died. And they took off running back, back to where they had been. And God said, you know, you didn't even inquire of me. And that was true. They had this great victory. And then they look at something that seems manageable by their standards and said, you know, we're not going to send everybody. Let's send some. And they went up and they were defeated by a smaller group. Because they relied on themselves and not on God. Church, it's so easy for us to rely on ourselves. Rely on our opinions and our perspectives. It's just what we've done, isn't it? Oh, come on, I need a little help. We, we you know, I ask questions for a number of reasons. And, and one of them is, I really want you to think about it. I want it to be one of those moments in time where you say, oh, yeah, I do do that. Or, oh, yeah, I do do that. You know, that's, that's what we have to recognize. When we hear and we read the word or we hear a message or we watch a, a, a video or, or um, are in a, a setting like this, it's not about just kind of listening. It's about really taking stock in our lives. Where, where am I? Is this applicable to me? Does it, is it demanding that I make an adjustment? Because the reality is all of us need to be making adjustments every day, uh, numerous times. And so they, they had gone through Jericho. They had gone through Ai and and then they found out why they had experienced defeat because there was sin in the camp. They took care of the sin because God directed them to find out where the sin was. And we don't have time to go into it. But then they went back up and they were able to defeat them. And then we picked this up because now the, the, the promised land, Cana, the kings are hearing about what's happening. Israel's coming in and they're taking over and, and they're defeating places that shouldn't be defeated by these former slaves. And it tells us in chapter 9 of Joshua that, that the kings began to band together so that they figured we'll, we'll work together so we can defeat Israel because they were that concerned about what, what might happen. And uh, we're going to pick this up in verse 3. It says, But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins torn and mended, old patches and patch sandals on their feet, old garments on themselves, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. So these are people that show up at their camp at Gilgal and say, hey, you know, we know, we've heard. Uh, we're, we're from a long ways away. Just look. Look at what, what we have, what's going on. 
And uh, we, we, we want to have a truce with you. We want a covenant with you. And God already told them, don't cut covenant with anybody in the land. But they did this in, in a, it says craftily or, or wily. And when I read it in the King James, it was the word wily. And I thought of wily coyote. And how, you know, the coyote, when he was dealing with the roadrunner, he was trying all sorts of tricks and traps. And it's kind of like the enemy. He's always planting tricks and traps. But if you and I will be guided by God, if, if we'll allow God to guide us with his eye, give us his wisdom and understanding, we'll be just like the, the roadrunner. We'll be going through all this stuff and it's not going to touch us. The Bible says, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll fear what? No evil. Why? Because God is with us. You know, it, it, it's, it's amazing to me that so many times I have in the past been going through something and, and, or just coming into something that I didn't expect, didn't want, didn't know what to do, but I determined I was going to do something. Don't just stand there, do something. And yet, I have this relationship with God, and I'm not in it on my own. And somebody who knows much more and can do much more than I can, I kind of let them sit on the sideline. And I work myself into all sorts of states instead of relying on the one who has given himself for me and to me to cause me to be overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in all things. And yet finally when I wear myself out, I turn to him and say, God, help me. And God's been right there willing to help, ready to help, able to help, but won't force his help on me. Now, I, I've, I've come a long way from there. Sometimes I still do that, but not like I used to. And I think we can all relate to that. Because we need to realize that this is not us proving ourselves or showing how, how much we can do. This is about a partnership with God and how much we'll allow God, allow God to do. So they, they, they worked in a way that was deceptive. And they pretended to be ambassadors. And what they showed was, they, if we go back, John, to uh, the first part of it. They pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old patched sandals on their feet, old garments on themselves and their bread of their provision was dry and moldy. Now I have to tell you, this place that they came from, not 50 miles away. Not 50 miles away. And what a production. What an amazing thing. How much work do you think they put into this? And the thing that I wonder is, how do they have all this stuff on hand? You know, these are props. 
You're not going to eat dry and moldy bread, but they got it hanging around. They have old wineskins that have been broken and then patched. They have patched sandals. And, and all of a sudden, they get dressed up for this performance. It's nothing less than a performance. And they ride in and they appear a certain way. Now, going on in verse 7 and 8, it says this. Then the men of Israel said to the, the Hivites, perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, we are your servants. Is that all in verse 8? Okay. Well, I, I had a little more. Um, where do you come from? Is, is part of what the translation I was reading. And so he says, where do you come from? There's, there's something unsettling. And yet they're not, not responding or even considering this little nudge from God. Perhaps. But they say, we're your servants. And the and next verse, it says, we've come from a very far country. Now, he's asking people that he doesn't know. And, and depending on people to tell him the truth. Do you expect everybody's telling you the truth? Yeah, absolutely. We wish they would. But there's really very little chance that we're being told the truth all the time. The only one that will always tell us the truth is God. And he's the one that's going to lead us and guide us into all truth. And that's where we, we need to rely on God. We need to allow God to be part of our lives to govern and guide us and guard us. Because without that, we're going to fall prey to the traps and ensnarements of the enemy all the time. In verse 12, it goes on to say, they, they began to make their, their case again. This bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it's dry and moldy. And the wineskins which we filled were new. And see, they're torn. And these are garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. So again, they're, they're affirming what they want the Israelites to believe. Because the Israelites are relying on what? No, they're relying on their sight. They're looking at these people and, and they're examining their stuff and, and all of a sudden they, they come to the conclusion, well, you know what? I guess this is it. As much as we all want to believe that what's being told to us by another person or by anyone is true, there's someone who will affirm truth in your life all the time. Now, one of the things, and this is kind of a, uh, off the subject, but it's got a point. I am constantly having to, when I text somebody something, I don't always read through my texts before I send them. 
Okay, maybe you do, and you're, you're wiser than I am, and I'm, I'm coming to the place where I'm going to have to do that. But because of this little program spell check, there are things that I send that I'm like, <gasps> that's not what I meant. But, you know, that's where it's there supposedly to do the right thing, but it doesn't always do the right thing. And we think we're going to do the right thing, but we don't always do the right thing. But there is one who lives in us who always knows what's right, always knows what's best, always guides us in the best path, always reveals truth to us. And, and that's Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God who resides in us will lead us and guide us into all truth. But if we're not operating in truth, whether it's because we're just walking by what we see and our opinions, truth will set us free. If we're not operating in truth, it's going to have the reverse effect. We're going to become ensnared and entangled, restricted. We're going to lose what God has. And so it's, it's of utmost importance that we don't walk by what we see. We walk by faith. And, and faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing by the word of God. And, and when we walk in the way that God has us to, it's by the word of God and the spirit of God. And that's where God made it so convenient for us. It's not like you got to get to church to hear from God. Hopefully when you're in church, you do hear from God. But you can hear from God for yourself every day. The Bible says if we lack wisdom, we're supposed to ask. Ask, ask God. I know we have the convenience that we can go to the internet about anything. And, and you know, it's helpful sometimes, but it's not as helpful as God. Sometimes we go to the internet trying to determine what these symptoms are that we have. Don't, don't look at me that way. You know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, we're, we're in a worse mess than we thought. Because we take some information and our opinion is this is exactly what's going on in us. And if it's fear evoking, it's not what God has. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. But I will tell you, the world will give you a spirit of fear. All the things that the world has to offer will give you a spirit of fear because behind the world is the enemy. He's out there to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's where it's so important that we, we don't just go by what we see. We don't just go by what we can find out on the Internet. You know, there was one, one commercial one time that I thought was hysterical. And, and it was about, a, I think it was a guy that, no, it was a girl that had found a guy on the Internet and uh, how he said he was from France. And, you know, it was, it was determined that, well, you, you know, everything on the Internet you need to believe because it's true. No. It's not. There, there are so many people's opinions on the Internet now. And platforms for people to come and present themselves as experts. The only one that's truly an expert that knows everything about everything is God. 
And that's why we, we need to go to God first. Then verse 14, it says this. Then the men of Israel took some of the provisions that they were shown, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them and let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. And it happened after three days that they had made a covenant with them, that they heard that there were neighbors who dwelt near them. Isn't that the way it is? Many times we, we do what we do only to find out, oh my gosh, it's not what I thought. It's not, not, not the way it was presented. It's not what it seemed. Folks, we don't have to go through that anymore if we're willing to be guided by God. If we're willing to not just see with our own eyes, but be guided by the Lord's eye. To have him guide us and show us the way things really are instead of what we, we think or perceive. Just like, like we read in Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you go. I will guide you with my eye. But this, this all aligns with what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. And in the Passion Translation, this is what it says. Trust in the Lord completely. Don't rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. This is God's word. This is God's promise. This is from the book of wisdom, Proverbs. And God will guide you in the decisions if you're willing to be guided. That's the key. Are we going to continue to maintain control in ourselves? Or are we giving that control over to our Lord? Is he the one that's going to guide us? And And... The Bible says if we seek first the kingdom of God, seek first the kingdom of God, him being king, him being Lord, him reigning, he, being, he is the one in control, guiding, governing, and guarding. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added unto you. He'll take care of it all. There is no one that will give you that kind of guarantee but God because no one can do that but God. But he will. And he's, he's told us he'll work all things out for good. If we'll be guided by God, he will work it out for good. Why would we ever rely on us? If we looked at us from outside us and saw our track record, and then we looked at God and saw his track record, who would you honestly choose? Exactly. That's a, that's a no-brainer. Obvious answer, God. But if we really believe that, then we need to take time to, to pause, to stop. Don't look at another person and, and see them just with your natural eyes. You know, God's going to help you see the value in every other human being. See potential in other people. Just like, just like it happened we looked at last week, David. God said, I'm going I'm to have a new king. I'm placing a new king. And he's told Samuel to go to Jesse's house and have Jesse's boys go in front of Samuel. And, and God would show him which one was going to be the next king. 
And so he did that. Jesse had his boys there, and he paraded them before. And Samuel thought the first one that came before him, that's the one. And God said, no, that's not the one. And then when it was all said and done, he said to, to Jesse, Samuel said to Jesse, is this all your boys? Well, no, you know, these are the ones that I thought could be king. There's David, little David. He's the run of the litter. He's out watching the sheep. That's where he should be. And Samuel said, bring him in. And God said, this is the one. Nobody else picked David. His dad didn't. His brothers didn't. The prophet of God didn't even when he walked by what he saw. And they just about missed what God had. And Israel walked by what they saw and they got entrapped into a covenant that continued to bother them because they walked by what they saw, what they could determine. When we try and figure things out, it's a lot like Abraham and Sarah. Remember them? God told Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Told Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a kid. They were in their 80s. And it was a while after that. And, and all of a sudden, you know, they're figuring out this isn't going to work. Look at us. And so they figure out a way to make it work. And that costs them. Ishmael was born because they tried to figure out a way to make what God wanted work. And Ishmael is the very problem that Israel has had from that day. We don't need to make any more of our own problems. We need to be guided by God. Let him show us what truly things are like. Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, this may not be the most exciting message, but I'm telling you something in these days, because the enemy's pulling out all the stops, just like the Gibeonites coming with all this paraphernalia, all their props, the enemy's putting on props to try and get you and me to miss what God has become entangled in things that we don't need to become entangled with, ensnared and entrapped in, in things that are drawing us away from God, causing us to look at other people, not in light of, of how God sees them, but through our opinions, our, our, our prejudging. And Father, I just pray right now that you would help us. Father, especially those among us that think they don't need help, because that pride is the very thing that will begin to cause us to become resistant to input, instruction, guidance from God and from the people God sends to us. Lord, help us to become teachable and humble and dependent on you, on your spirit, on your word, on those that you have guided into our lives that love you, 
love your word and love us more than they love how we look at them. Father, you redeemed to the uttermost and you work all things for good. So we turn to you. And if we've made these errors, we repent, we turn back to you, we entrust you with these circumstances and situations. And we thank you that you are going to guide us and govern us and guard us in a way that we're going to see your plan, which is for good and not for evil, with a future and a hope, be fulfilled in our lives and through our lives. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? You know, the Bible tells us these are dark days. But it also tells us that, that in the midst of this darkness, God says, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. But the scripture tells us it's not this cloud that comes and just kind of enrobes us. The Bible says it's Christ in us that's the hope of glory. When we allow not just Jesus to be our Lord so we can get to heaven, but he's our, the Lord of our days the Lord of our decisions, then the glory of God is going to be seen like never before. And, and that, that is what is going to cause this massive harvest to take place. I just want to pray for you right now before you go. Father, I thank you. For those that are in need of healing, I thank you for your healing. Your presence is with them. Your spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in them and quickens their bodies. Father, I thank you for healing of of souls. I thank you that you are our shepherd. You restore our soul. Lord, I thank you for that healing that you're doing in that area. But Father, we have to be receptive. I pray for a humility and a receptivity to you, uh, to, to those that you send to us, that Father, we would, we would not so easily be ensnared by the enemy, but we would walk in the light as you are the light. Walk in your goodness and in your wisdom and in your grace, realizing that with you all things are possible. And we thank you that you go ahead of us and prepare the way, that you're our rear guard, that you uphold us with your right hand of righteousness, and you cover us with songs of life and of love, of, of peace and of joy and of hope, of wisdom. Lord, we praise you all our days in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.